Are you a female in technology looking to reach the VP level and beyond? Join me, Lisa Kostova, and guests for honest and real tips, strategies, and conversation to accelerate and most importantly, enjoy your career climb today. Hey guys, I wanted to introduce a new segment in the Female Tech Exec podcast. I am calling it Market Update. It is conversations with people who have executive recruiting positions, either within some of the best search firms or within some of the largest venture capital funds. Now, why are these market updates important and why did I create them? It is my belief that for any female tech exec, it is critical, critical to keep your pulse on the market, even if you're perfectly happy where you are or you're not really planning on leaving. For one, you need to understand where the industry is moving and you need to understand what skills and experiences are in demand so that you can develop yourself accordingly and so that you can understand where the market is headed. I started these calls to better serve the clients of my programs, the Product Executive Accelerator and the Executive Development Program. These calls are much longer than the episode you're about to hear, and they include a lively Q&A section um, where members can ask the speaker their most burning questions and get specific answers. We usually have quite a lively discussion. While clients get access to the live call and the full recording, I wanted to provide you guys, the listeners of this podcast, with some of the highlights from these market update calls. What follows is an excerpt from the call in late June of 2021 that we had with Andrew Abramson, the partner in charge of the product practice at Riviera Partners. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, and I want to get, introduce you guys to Andrew. So Andrew Abramson is a partner in charge of the product management practice at Riviera Partners. As you guys may be aware, Riviera Partners is considered the leading search firm, search executive firm for roles in startup and growth companies in the Valley. Really, really good around product. I'm sure other functions as well, engineering, etc., talent. But with that in mind, I just want to welcome Andrew, welcome to the community. And uh, to kick it off, just give us a sense, a little bit of why, why you're doing what, what you're doing. Why are you passionate about recruiting and connecting talent to opportunities? Give us a little bit of your why. Why are you doing this? Yeah, sure. Well, first, thanks for, thanks for having me. It's great to, great to be here and, and meet all of you and really looking forward to, to helping out in any way that I can. You know, for the why, I think it's, it's an easy one in that, you know, no one cares more about anything than their career. Like the career is their most important thing to people and getting good advice when it comes to career decisions, especially in a world like product management, which can be kind of so nebulous, so confusing, so many different types of backgrounds can lend themselves to being successful in the role that um, specializing in that particular function, I think myself and, and Austin would kind of echo these sentiments that uh, it's really rewarding to be able to help not only, you know, founders and CEOs who are navigating hiring for the first time and, 
you know, understanding what executives look like, what PMs look like, how to differentiate between the two, but also helping the job seeker themselves and helping you know, helping someone just like just like any of you kind of craft their career in a way that will set you up for success and kind of give yourself the best odds. And that's, you know, that's what I enjoy doing. And I love having those types of conversations, even if it doesn't lead to a placement, um, even if it doesn't lead to connecting you with a company. I love just having those conversations and helping out in, in any way that I can and kind of giving back to the to the community. Fantastic, Andrew. And talking about that, you know, you've been in the product management recruiting space for a number of years, right? You've kind of done done the space far and wide. Um, what are some of your high level observations of big, big trends? So let's start with the big macro trends that are ha- happening in the recruiting space and the talent space specifically for the product function. What are some yeah. of those big trends? Good question. I think that the the biggest one that kind of comes to mind is the blending of of consumer and B2B, especially kind of app layer B2B, in that we're just seeing a lot more product people who have spent their career working on consumer apps make the transition over to more kind of pure play B2B SaaS businesses. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, that, that's a bigger kind of macro trend in that people expect their software in the workplace to look and feel like consumer apps, right? The consumerization of the workplace. And so that trickles down to the product experience that needs to be created. And um, that's where you're seeing a lot of these companies, these recent companies that are going public, that have gone public, that are getting significant scale winning is on the product experience, looking and feeling as consumerized as possible. And, you know, a big part of that is, not just the actual kind of interface that you're interacting with, but the actual go-to-market motion uh, that you're seeing in B2B. And it's very kind of bottoms up and self-serve and individual users within companies are adopting Slack or adopting Dropbox or adopting Zoom. You don't need to kind of sell through IT anymore. And so because of that, the product experience has to be very seamless and look and feel kind of as intuitive as possible. And so um, you know, we've just seen a lot of people, you know, Slack built their entire product org on people from who came from Twitter, who came from consumer. And they were one of the, you know, the early adopters in terms of that. But just seeing a lot more of these unicorny type B2B companies that look and feel like consumer products. And that allows um, a good kind of transition from people who, you know, have just been working on consumer to go into B2B. So I would say that's that's probably one of the biggest ones that I've seen. I think another trend that I would call out is just the the overall kind of funding landscape that we're in right now and how companies are raising bigger rounds earlier and earlier on in their life cycle. Uh, and so, you know, like three or four years ago, an average series A round was like two or three million. And now companies are raising 15 or 20 million at series A. Uh, and so we're just seeing companies want to start building out their leadership teams a little bit earlier on in their life cycle. And so this has just kind of changed the ask around product leadership at an early stage and, um, you know, and, and having, you know, having that skill set, having that adaptability to be able to navigate ambiguity, thrive in ambiguity and scale yourself down and need to be flexible between doing the kind of the IC level work, but also, you know, zooming out to more of a 20,000 foot strategic lens too. that type of skill set 
being able to zoom into the details and zoom out, that's one that is seeing a lot of demand right now in product at the at the early stages. And you know, with that increase in demand for that experience, how are companies reconciling the fact that there's relatively speaking fewer experienced product managers to go around than there are job openings or opportunities for them. What are some of the compromises that you're seeing them make to kind of give somebody a chance? Like what is, what is the area that they're willing to kind of be flexible on? Sure. Yeah. So that, that's a really good question. Uh, th- there's certainly no like silver bullet answer to that. It's so circumstantial and dependent on the skill sets that already exist at the company, you know, product, is a very emotional role to hire for. And everyone at the company seems to have an opinion about product. And at an early stage, usually it's the founder who's responsible for running product. And bringing in a a senior product person, the most important element to success is that that product person is a complement to the founder and the skill set that that founder has. And so... You know, if the founder, the, no one's probably going to have better insights on the market uh, or on the product or on the end user than the founder. And so it's not realistic for them to bring in someone who's going to come in and know more about what they're building than the founder is. And so maybe, you know, if it's more of a technical product that requires kind of an enterprise sale, it's someone who's very strong on go to market and working with sales and working with marketing and positioning, depending on the founder's skill sets. If the founder is more of a marketing or go-to-market type background, maybe it's someone who's very strong technically and who can kind of bridge the gap between the market and engineering and be kind of that connective tissue. So it really is so circumstantial on, you know, on the founder skill sets on what exists with the team um, and, you know, the type of product that they're building. What about what about the um, the kind of proliferation of the product role? You mentioned that companies are raising capital, more capital at earlier st- stages of their development. Talk a little bit about, you know, it's always, as you mentioned, it's a very emotional role to hire for. And it's always, I found through my experience, I found that founders, it's a very difficult role for the founder to establish trust with usually takes a little bit of time. And especially when the company is super young and the product is still not defined, perhaps they're still tweaking and working on large parts of the product. Maybe they're still looking for product market fit. They haven't hit it. So it's not, you're not bringing a person to optimize the product. You're bringing a person to potentially change the direction and the shape of the product. How do you think a candidate, what expectations should a candidate come in to a situation like that? It's an earlier stage company. They're coming in a product role. You know, what are, what are good expectations to have for a candidate to set themselves up for success as opposed to bitter disappointment and, you know, thinking they don't appreciate me and. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say something that, that you want to look out for as a candidate is if product market fit has been established or not, because If the expectation of the founder is that, look, we just raised a bunch of money and we have this great engineering team, but we haven't really figured out if anyone's going to want to pay for this product yet or what we should be building. We just have a great idea. That's red flag number one, because it shouldn't be an external person's job to come in and help you figure out 
what you build. It should be an external person's job to come in and put the right kind of processes and frameworks around something that's already starting to kind of get some traction. And so that's something that I would want to understand as a potential first PM is, do we know what we're building or not? And if the answer is no, that's really the founder's job to figure out what it is that they should be building. And so, you know, like the a question I get all the time is, you know, well, what what should my first PM be doing? How do I know the time is right to be hiring my first PM? And, you know, it, it's a couple things. I think, you know, systematizing the user research process, doing basic things like prioritizing the product roadmap, bringing visibility into product delivery, just making it more predictable you know, working well with engineering in in that regard, allocating resources, um, you know, keeping an eye on what the competition is doing as well, because oftentimes a founder might have just raised money on an idea on a problem that they themselves were having. And that can work enough to raise money, but that doesn't necessarily give them a lens into the competitive landscape. And so as a first PM, I think those are the types of things that you want to make sure that the founder has the right expectations that that's the job that you should be doing. And then you kind of scale yourself up from there. But if that basic kind of blocking and tackling PM work doesn't exist, you don't want to come into a role in which you're going to be expected to do more than that, because you're not going to be able to do more if the basic kind of foundational product management layer isn't there. That's that's a great point. And talking about red flags, what about a trend that I've heard about recently, which is investors are getting more hands-on with earlier stage founders because they're pouring more money into those companies. And now they want the company to mature faster and go quicker. And so sometimes they want to bring the adult in the room, aka the investor is very insistent on bringing in a seasoned product person earlier than the founder may like, or the founder may want to, or the founder may think they don't need a product person at this at this stage. Have you seen instances where a product person is kind of brought in over the founder's head and that could be a red flag as well? Mm, that would, I mean, that would definitely be a red flag. I think a, a good way if you're a, a, a candidate talking to a founder and understanding kind of the levers behind why they're looking to bring in a product person is if the founder is the one who's running product up until that point, you should ask the founder, well, if you hire me tomorrow, how are you going to spend your time? Right? Like they need to have a very defined answer for if they're spending 50% of their time on product work, what are they going to do now with that additional 50% of time? And if they don't have a good answer for that, that means they haven't thought deeply enough about the need for this hire. And, um, you know, that, that would be the biggest red flag. So I would, I would make sure to get an understanding of that and kind of the levers behind or, you know, the gaps that are existing today that they're looking to solve for with the hire and just making sure that the founder is fully bought into to making this hire. Yeah, and one way I've actually seen that manifest when a fi- uh, when a founder is on the fence about bringing somebody in because they secretly want to keep ownership of the product is they kind of look for a, a very execution heavy person. So they're they're actually going in and looking for somebody who's not going to ask any questions, who's not going to have ideas of their own, who is just going to take what they what the founder gives them and just make it happen. Oftentimes, I feel founders really secretly want a project manager <laughs> or a producer than they want a product person. Have you seen that change, or is there still a tension there between what does the founder really want versus what it is that will be good for the company they really need? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's a really good question. I mean, I think, 
I think if the founder is very clear that that's what they want, that's actually a good sign because you don't, that, that's where you aren't going to run into a situation of misaligned expectations. I think that's, you know, that's where you see kind of failure happen the most in these product hires is when the founder isn't actually able or doesn't have a desire to remove themselves from the day to day of kind of setting the, the product strategy. Um, yet they want to hire someone as senior as possible, you know, to give them the most confidence that they're going to be able to succeed in the job. But the job isn't to then set strategy or vision because the founder wants to do that, right? And that's what the senior person wants to do. And so if the founder is very clear up front that, hey, you know, like it was my idea. I have kind of the empathy with the end user. I know what we're building. I can't expect anyone to realistically come in on day one and set the strategy here. Like I'm going to take this thing through series C. And so what our big challenge now is execution, then that's great. And if that's not something that's interesting to you, then now you know. But I think that's, you know, that's that's what I challenge founders on whenever I kick off a new search is just kind of talking through that and making sure they've really thought through what they want to be doing and what they need to be doing on a daily basis to make their company successful. Um, and those are the questions that I would encourage encourage you to ask. And I think a founder would really appreciate it, too, if you're asking those types of hard questions, because they oftentimes are doing this for the first time. You know, they haven't founded companies before for the most part. Um, they haven't ha had to hire people cross-functionally before for the most part. They're doing all of this for the first time. And so getting challenged is something that the best founders really love in their employees and even in their prospective candidates on a daily basis. And what are what is your experience about how to position oneself? So a lot of the women in our community, they have experience in some of the big tech companies and may not have been part of the startup scene. We have women here who have, but then we have a, a portion of women who are kind of have more big tech backgrounds. <clears throat> they're super smart, they're super effective, but they've operated in a different environment. What are ways that you've seen candidates like that successfully position themselves and demonstrate some of the skills that they have and the commitment that they have to working in an earlier stage company with the founders that have hired them? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, there's there's a couple things. I mean, you know, anytime that an early stage company like Series A, Series B is looking for a, a head of product, um, th they tend to have more confidence in someone who has been through the journey that they're about to go through. Because, you know, you, you hire someone to kind of you know, to, to give you more confidence that you're going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. And someone who's done that before is going to give the most confidence. So if you haven't done that, if you haven't done anything early stage before in your career, you've just been in big companies, there's a couple of things that you can do. People who have been in big companies who have worked on zero to one initiatives is probably the closest thing, right? Where you maybe led a new Skunk Works group, you took something that had zero product market fit, put resources around it, identified product market fit, and were able to get inklings of scale, that is probably the closest parallel that can be drawn to doing something zero to one at an early stage. Outside of that, um, you know, working with early stage companies in advisory type capacities will give you more kind of purview into what that day-to-day -day is like. And the more exposure that you have to early stage companies, the better that you're going to be able to kind of talk through the challenges that these companies are going through. And if you haven't lived it yourself, working in an advisory type capacity, networking very, very closely and, and hard with people who 
have been an early stage environment so that you can kind of soak in their experience, even if it's at an arm's length, you're then going to be able to talk about that in interviews with founders. And it's just going to give them confidence that, hey, you know, yeah, this person's been at, you know, public companies for their entire career, but they are able to actually really resonate and understand the problems that we're going through. And I think they have the right DNA and mentality to do this. And so, you know, it's it's really like if you have an opportunity to work on zero to one products within your late stage public company, any type of advisory type roles that you can take on with earlier stage companies, and then networking, you know, spending a lot of time networking with product people, or even just other functions, other women, you know, or, or um, you know, outside of product, just people who have lived that early stage to growth life, and it will allow you to kind of talk about it more articulately. Those are some suggestions that I would have. Great. And what about if the candidate has had experience in a startups? What are some of the key points? But let's say they weren't, you know, they had a product, they were probably more of an individual contributor. What are the key aspects of that experience that you would say as a candidate should be highlighted? Or when you're still working in the startup, you should make sure that you get a ton of that type of experience. What aspects? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I think it really kind of depends on what your goals are. So let's say that your goal was to move yourself up and become a head of product one day. You know, there's there's really kind of a, a paradigm shift as you move into as you go from an IC into a into a head of product role. And there's you know you, you go from kind of the, the blocking and tackling of writing specs and PRDs to thinking about things like. How do I coach product managers? How do I build alignment across the organization? How do I cultivate the right product culture for the team to succeed? And it's usually those kind of soft skills that people struggle with more than how to manage a, a portfolio of products. And so, you know, that's th those are the things that I would really kind of position yourself for if, if that's your goal is to really kind of soak in what your, what your boss, what your head head of is doing on a daily basis and understand kind of the tension that exists between being an IC and focusing on the tactical to now I have to take a broader lens and my job is to now empower the people under me to succeed. And really, like if you haven't done that before, again, being able to talk articulately about how you understand and what you understand the job to be, if you were to move up to that next level, those are the types of things that I would really kind of focus on. Oh my God, you just made me so happy with that comment, Andrew. I have a favorite quote from Simon Sinek. He says, I hate the word soft skills. There's nothing soft about them. They're not easy and they're yeah. super important. And we in our programs, we definitely talk about this moment because this was my this was my passion. This is why we organized the programs that we that we did, is because I saw a lot of, of people and, and, and a lot specific challenges for women in that space as well. But I saw a lot of people really drop out in mid-career from product management because they couldn't make that switch. The mm -hmm. skills that really make you a successful IC are not the same skills that make you an effective head a product. Mm -hmm. And there's a similarity, like when you're climbing a mountain, different conditions, different elevations require different mm -hmm. equipment. So mm -hmm. we start with snowshoes and then at some point we switch over to crampons because now we have yeah. ice and then we had, we had soft snow before. And so it's that transition point that's really, really tricky. And I'm deeply passionate to have as many of the women in our programs like make that make that transition because it is so critical. And there's nothing soft about it. 
<laughs> it's super, super important. So I really, really, I really appreciate what you just said. Thank you so much, Andrew. We are at time and I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if you guys want to wave at Andrew and drop some love in the chat and let him know how, <laughs> how great he is and how much we appreciate your perspective, Andrew. And really, honestly, I, I kind of want to share that it's so grateful. I, like, I'm so grateful and it's so rewarding to work with somebody who truly cares. And I think that's what, in my experience with, you know, the couple of people I know and have made friends with at Riviera has been because, you know, you meet a lot of recruiters as a product person and a lot of the conversations are very transactional, but truly, I truly appreciate from my heart as a person who's been on the journey, as somebody who works with lots of women who are on the journey, the fact that you take such a generous approach. So um, we're really, really grateful. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, send to a friend, leave a review, and connect with me on social media. The best way to connect is to register for the next free Product VP Challenge at www.productvpchallenge.com. Until next time, keep climbing and keep enjoying the climb.